Last week, uh, if you weren't with us, we began a new series, a parenting series, but really it's a series for everyone, and we're calling it Backward Parenting. And what we're doing is we're starting with the end in mind, and we're asking you the question today, how do you want your children, and how do you want your life, and how do you want your family to turn out uh, in the end, and to think about that ahead of time, and as you focus on those things now, you set on them in your life uh, now, make them the goal now, and then you begin to pour those things into your children's life, uh, knowing where the goal is. And we said we don't want to make it difficult, and so we want to keep it simple, and so we're focusing on one word each week, and only one word, and we're giving you one scripture verse to memorize each week, and we want to help you develop that trait uh, within your kids. And so we've made some assignments, and just like in Deuteronomy 6, we want to take that one word, and over the course of a week and over the course of a lifetime, uh, we want to share it with our children in our house and uh, when we play with them and when we drop them off for school and when we lay them down at night uh, in the bed, we want to remind them of these things. Last week, the word was honor. Say honor. Uh, the word this week is blessing. I want you to say blessing. And I want to start by answering this question. What, what is a blessing? Uh, last week, we said that honor is about perceiving someone's value. And it's about perceiving someone's worth and, and responding to it. Uh, for example, we said giving honor to God or giving honor to our parents or giving honor uh, to authority in, in our lives. Blessing is like it, but, but it is different. Blessing is about adding to someone's worth. It is about increasing uh, their value. It, blessing is to make better, to improve, uh, to magnify the best in others. You, you see that in our culture in people who have the knack for flipping homes. And uh, they, where others see uh, a junk uh, or a shack, they, uh, the people who have this knack have the ability to see something else in that home, take the home to make it better, to add value to it. And then sometimes they can flip it and turn it for profit. But either way, they, they gave value, more value uh, to that. You bless others uh, by causing someone to prosper. And, and in blessing someone, what you're doing is identifying opportunities that they have for growth and helping them to take them. Uh, you're helping them to become more or to get closer to what God intended uh, for them to be. You, you bless others when you help improve their life, when you help improve their standing, when you help them fulfill God's purpose in their life. A great example of that in the New Testament is Paul uh, with Timothy. Paul saw Timothy as his spiritual son. And in the second book that he wrote uh, to Timothy, he said, Timothy, I want to remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift that God gave you when we laid our hands upon you. And, and it was a blessing that Paul invoked on Timothy. And, and we'll talk about that later and how that plays out. But Paul saw things in Timothy that Timothy didn't see in himself. And he was saying, I want you to see this about you, and I want you to use this in you. You can do this, and I believe in you. And so uh, blessing is really about seeing the potential versus only seeing the perceived in someone's lives. Uh, all, all of us can see how our kids behave, right? I mean, all, all of us can watch. There's no gift involved in, in seeing how your kids are, are behaving. The people in the grocery store see how your kids are, are behaving, right? And, and, you know, sometimes you see the glare, and you want to say, I, I know my kid is misbehaving. Thank you for helping me uh, parent my children uh, with that glare. But it takes more 
right? To see the potential that someone holds. That's a different art. And that's what God does in us. And as God lives inside of us and the Holy Spirit develops inside of us, he helps us to see people for what they can become, not for who they are today. And and I cannot think of a relationship that is more important in than in a parent-child relationship. Uh, Not what they already are, but what they can become. So what what does the Bible say about blessing? Well, you don't have to go far in the Bible. The very first chapter of Genesis uh, says that God blessed them. And he said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and govern uh, the earth. Should be no surprise there, right, that God saw potential in Adam and Eve. He made them. And he created them, and the blessing was telling them who they were and telling them what they would become and telling them what they were capable of. And and God uses the blessing as a way to pass down vision from parents to children. You flip over to chapter 12 in Genesis, and you see God calls Abram and and names him Abraham and calls him out uh, uh, to be a blessing. He calls him as a chosen one. In verse 2 of Genesis 12, God says to Abram, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make you famous, and you then will be a blessing to others. And what God did in that moment is he set up a cycle of blessing. And as you watch it play out throughout Scripture, you see Abraham bless his son Isaac, who, who blesses his son Jacob in Genesis 27, and we're going to camp out there. In fact, if you got your Bible, turn to uh, Genesis 27. Uh, in Genesis 49, you see Jacob blessing his sons, who are the 12 tribes uh, of Israel. Now, before we look at Genesis 27, I want to give you the memory verse uh, for this week. And the memory verse is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 which says this, and we'll throw it on the screen for you this morning. All praise to God. All praise. All praise belongs with God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, watch this, and if children would understand this, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Why? Because we are united with Christ. What a great verse to memorize and what a great concept to understand uh, in in Scripture. And it's important to understand that all blessings, physical, emotional, financial, etc., have their foundation in a spiritual blessing that we receive from God. And, And the spiritual blessing is for you and I to be united with Christ, finding our identity in uh, Jesus, and that's important enough reason to bless uh, your children. But I, I want to give you uh, a, another reason to bless your children. I believe that blessing is the way to give parental approval to our children, biblically. I believe it is the way uh, for us to give parental approval, according to the Bible, to, to our children. In Genesis 27, I don't have time to read the whole chapter to you today, but it is a family feud uh, on steroids. It, should, it would be an episode in Dr. Phil today or Oprah Winfrey. I mean, there, there is a battle happening among husband and wife and, and amongst the children, and you see this marriage uh, battle playing out among the kids. And, and uh, Isaac is married to Rebecca, and they had two sons. Uh, the oldest is Esau, and the youngest is Jacob, and Isaac loved Esau. They were a lot alike. They were both outdoorsmen. They were, you know, hunters. Uh, they, they were mountain men, and, and Jacob was more of a mama's boy, and Rebecca loved him. And, and you see this marriage conflict play out right in front of the kids, which is a terrible 
idea. Uh, but Isaac is getting old in the story. And, and as Isaac is getting old, he, he, he's having a hard time seeing. He's almost lost his eyesight. And he calls Esau, his oldest, to him. And he says, son, I want you to go hunt some food and kill the animal and prepare me a meal the way that I like it, and I'll eat it, and after I eat it, I'll bless you. Now, his mother overheard this conversation. She goes and gets her favorite son, Jacob, and she gives Jacob the plan. She hatches this plan, and she says, I I will prepare a meal for your dad just like he likes it, and and you will serve this uh, to your dad and uh, we're going to need a disguise and a costume, uh, but you're going to serve this to him, and then you will get uh, the blessing. Now, if you've read the story before, you know that Jacob had already robbed Esau of his birthright and all of his father's possessions, and now he wants his blessing uh, too. Jacob, in our culture, would be referred to as a metrosexual. I mean, he, he, he probably got a manicure every once in a while, and, and, and he, he was, you know, a starched, seersucker-wearing fella. And, and, and so Jacob shows up on the scene, and he, he's not, nothing like Esau, right? And so he needs a disguise. And so his mom, you know, uh, puts hunting gear, his brother's hunting gear, all over him and, and covers his arms with goat hair. And, and maybe they put some deer scent on him, which if you're not a deer hunter, is urine. And, and, and so uh, they, they try to make him look like a burly man, maybe put a fake beard on him, and, and he takes this meal to his father. Now, remember his dad is on his deathbed, and his dad is almost blind, and his dad eats the meal, gives him the blessing. On the heels of him leaving, Esau, I mean, uh, Jacob, uh, sorry, Esau pops into the scene and says, Dad, here's your meal. And when he finds out what happened and that his brother stole uh, his daddy's blessing, what is his response to that? And, and what does he say in that moment? Look at verse 34 and watch and see what Esau has to say. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud, bitter cry. Oh, my father, daddy, what about me? Bless me too, exclamation point. Bless me too. He begged his daddy for the blessing. Now remember, this guy's a mountain man and a tough guy and a man's man, and he's crying here, and he's begging his daddy here. Why? Why does he act like that? Because he longs for his father's acceptance. He longs for his daddy's approval. And hear this. I don't know all of you personally, but hear this. Whatever environment you're in today, I know this about all of you sitting in this room. I know this about all of you who are filling the chapel down the hall. I I know this about those of you in prior, and I know wherever you are in the world today watching my internet, I know this about you. You long for your parents' approval on the inside. And you long at whatever age you are today for your parents' acceptance, and, and you want it. We all want it. We want them to tell us that we're good. We want them to tell us that they love us. We want them to tell us that they believe in us. And this is from the little girl on the coffee table saying, Daddy, watch me spin in my dress. All the way to the the young married couple who has just bought a home and, and showing it to their mom and dad. All the way into senior adult. This plays out in our lives because this is the way that God the Father wires. And that's why blessing is such a big deal. To God. People are always wanting for someone to believe in them, even the most critical people. In fact, I would say probably the most critical people need affirmation more because they, they lack it and, and consequently they've become critical. 
while they complain. When you believe in someone, it, it has the potential to help them believe in God. When you put faith in someone, it has the potential to help them put their faith in God. Why? Because God is invisible. And we are the visible representation of God when Jesus lives inside of us and when we show our kids that we believe them and when we bless our children, it is as if God himself is blessing our kids. So how do you give a blessing? This is where I want to camp out uh, today because it is an unknown uh, biblical art in the culture today. And I'm going to give you a formula for blessing according to Genesis 27. And there are five parts to the blessing that I want to talk about this morning. This, this content comes from Gary Smalley's book, The Blessing. And if you don't have that book, we have it in the bookstore. And another book uh, is by James McDonald, who's a pastor in Chicago, Seven Words That Will Change Your Family. Both uh, books, phenomenal books to help you with this biblical subject matter. The first part of a biblical blessing is meaningful touch. Meaningful touch. Look back at verse 26. Please come a little closer to me, my son, and kiss me. Now, in our culture, that may sound a little strange to some of you. For a daddy to say to his grown son, come close to me and kiss me. Probably to most of you. But if you were to travel with me to the Middle East... Uh, you will watch this play out on a daily, daily basis. And, and there, in fact, I would say to you, with men in the Middle East, there is no such thing as personal space. It doesn't exist. And, and you, you go over there, you just need to beware. They will invade your personal space. They will put their arm around you. They will hold your hand. They will even kiss you. And this is all before the first date, okay? And, and uh, th th this is the way that plays out. And, and before they even get to know you. Now, we don't do that in the Western culture. Our, our, you know, our play in the, mis in, in the Western culture is, hey, don't touch me, dude, right? And, and uh, back off and give me some space. We have a staff member who's a grown man who still kisses his mom and dad, and, and people make fun of him right here, but quite honestly, he probably has the most healthy relationship with his mother and father uh, of anyone on staff. And maybe we've got this wrong in our culture. Maybe we got it wrong. And maybe we should be be more touchy-feely. And, and I would just say to you, I, I'm not comfortable with that with other men, and so don't try it with me. <laughs> but I am saying we should be that way with our children. And that we should be a whole lot more touchy-feely uh, with, with our kids uh, than we are in our culture. Doctors tell us today that, that there are health benefits to, to a touching relationship with a mom and dad. In fact, it says it can lower your blood pressure and add a minimum of two years to your life. Now, I mean, every report is indicating this kind of stuff. There's an emotional benefit to touch. I, I make my children, when they've making up with one another, if they've been in a fight with one another, to hug each other, and they're not always excited about it, but I don't care. I make them do it. To try to communicate there are no hard feelings there. Why, why, why don't we touch even our kids in our culture today? I've heard all the excuses from dads. And tragically, it's usually in a counseling scenario. Sometimes a dad will say, well, you know, I show my love to my children by my actions. Uh, is love a show? That you're performing for your kids? Or, or, or is it the nature of the relationship with you have your kids? Uh, love's not a show. Do you love your kids? A touch will, will leave no doubt in their mind that you love them. Well, that makes me really uncomfortable. 
If it makes you uncomfortable to show affection to your children, you probably are a victim of a lack of affection. And you say, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do something weird. And like, listen, your kids know the difference between real love and something weird. And they will understand that and receive that. Well, I don't want my kid to get a big head. I, I've heard that testimony a lot in counseling. The people come and say, all of my problems began when my dad just hugged me when I was a kid. I've never heard that. And all of the counseling I've done, never one time has somebody, you've never heard somebody come up here to a microphone and give a testimony and say, all my dilemmas began when my dad started kissing me when I was a little boy. You've never heard that testimony, and you will never hear that. There's no danger of you going overboard uh, with this. Heard parents say, well, I, I just don't think it's really that important. Oh, yes, it is. 99.9% of prostitutes report that they lacked a warm, loving, affectionate relationship with their father. 100% of sexual deviants in our culture today report that they did not have an affectionate relationship with their mother and, and with their father. Meaningful touch is a part of blessing. Second part is spoken words. Proverbs 18, 21 says the tongue can bring death and the tongue can bring life. Words are powerful and spoken words are even more powerful. In fact, you ought to do an inventory of your words this week uh, with your children and measure. Did I say more positive than I did uh, negative? And, and, and don't hear what I'm not saying today. Discipline is important, right? Your children will be in big, big trouble if you never discipline uh, your children. You have to teach them. And you have to use negative words to teach your children sometimes. I mean, sometimes as parents, we feel like the only word we ever say is no, right? And, 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 or stop or quit it. But, but we have to do those things. Uh, all the adoption books that we've read and all the books that we've read about bringing a, a, a third world child into, a, you know, into this world and, and you know, et cetera, all, most of them, not all of them, but most of them say you need to go against your instinct as a parent, which I just said to my wife, that's a bunch of junk. Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of me. And when the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me, I'm not going against my instinct. I'm going with my instinct. And I've got to do what I feel like the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me is instructing me uh, to do. And, and so uh, you've got to discipline, but why don't, when you discipline, why don't you try to mix it with blessing? And get creative in the way that you discipline your kids and the way that you talk to your kids. You know, son, I admire your creativity. But drawing pictures of the dog on the wall may not be the best way to express it. You're very creative, but this is not how we're going to express uh, creativity. The way you demolish the lawn furniture helps me understand that one day you may be good at demolition. <laughs> but let's talk about boundaries. And, and, and as cheesy as that sounds, what I'm saying to you is that when you discipline your kids and you say something negative, try to couch it between two positive things uh, to, to help your children understand the purpose of the discipline is to help them know who they are in Christ. A blessing is spoken. You can write it down, but speak it to your kids. There's something about using your words and your speech that transforms life, especially in the lives of kids. And I think there's something about saying it in front of other people. In other words, praising your children in front of their family, praising your children in front of their friends. And and they may act embarrassed, but they're not. And to love on them... uh, 
to praise your spouse in front of your, your, your children. A blessing is more impactful, I think, when you do it in public. And so what should the words be? That brings us to number three. Number three in the formula for a, a biblical blessing is affirming value. In Genesis 27, Isaac affirmed the values that he saw in Esau. Now, he thought he was talking to Esau, but he's affirming the values that he saw in Esau. Look at verse 27. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed his son, and he said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors which the Lord has blessed. That's the equivalent of saying, You have daddy's eyes. Or you got mama's hair, or you like that in the way that I like that, and, and you are part of us, and we, we are one, and we are a family. And uh, Isaac loved the outdoors just like Esau, and he wanted to affirm that in him. And at the heart of a parental blessing is a word picture that communicates you matter to us. It's a word picture that communicates we care about you, that you are special and that you are unique, affirming value is critical to developing a child's identity. No child, according to studies today, fully understands their identity until they find it from their parents. In other words, they don't find it on their own. They find it from you and from me. You, you have to tell them. You don't assume that they know it. You don't, uh, you know, believe that they, you have to tell them and you have to shape them by shaping their opinion of themselves because their self-worth will come from your worth of them. That's why it's such a big deal to make sure your value of them is the highest it can possibly be. So what are the things that we affirm in our kids' lives? Affirm their unique characteristics. You see something unique in your child, affirm that regularly. Their positive traits, their, their positive actions, the, uh, affirm their importance to your family. Be specific. When you say to your children, I'm proud of you, tell them why you're proud of them. Every, most parents say, I'm proud of you, but few parents say, why? And it's the why that fills in the blank for the kid to help them know who they are and to understand who it is that God ha has made them to be. When I saw you talk to that person, son, who, who nobody was talking to, I saw compassion in your heart that looks like Jesus. When I saw you do this, sweetheart, I saw your creativity that God gave you. And it's a gift that God has given you. And we need to steward the gift uh, that God has given you. And a blessing is more than physical attribute. It's not you're handsome or you're pretty. Uh, it's not about how they look. They really can't control that. And it's not about what they do, although they can control it. It's about who they are. You've got to help your kid know who they are. And so you're affirming value, the positive assessment and the unique attributes that God gave them. And when, what that does is it frames the next part in the formula for blessing, which I believe is the most important part in, in, in the formula for blessing, which is because once you tell them something about their current value, you use your next words to start adding to that value, and that's where you start speaking life into them, and that's where you start speaking future into them. And the next part of a biblical blessing is spiritual vision. To help your children see with spiritual eyes, to help your children see their life in the context of eternity, to help them see their life in the context uh, of heaven. Look what he says in verse 28, from the dew of heaven and the riches of earth may God I'm relating this to God. May God always give you abundant harvest of grain, and may he always give you bountiful new wine. In other words, set your children up for success. You may think you're driving them, but do they know 
what the destination is. And you may think you're shaping them through discipline, and that's probably true, but do they see the end result? Tell them what the end result looks like. And, and when I spank uh, my children, and I, I believe in spanking, it worked for me. I would be in jail today without some spankings. But when I spank my children, I will say to them, there's foolishness in your heart, and we're going to spank it out. You know why I believe that's important? I want them to see the end result. I want them to see the why. We're not doing this because dad is mad. And we're not doing this because dad is frustrated. We're doing this because of who you are and what's inside of you that God wants to shape you uh, with. And they need to know the source and where it comes from. Teach them the source. You know, as we try to communicate with our new four-year-old daughter, it's not easy. She doesn't speak English. And we speak very little Amharic. So we have a little phrase book that translates these phrases from Amharic to English. And all the phrases we need are not in the book. But, but we, we, we go and grab the book when we want to say something. And I think when we grab the book, she's thinking, oh, Lord. <laughs> what are they going to say now? You know, uh, but, but, but there's this kind of this joke around our house now that we run to the book. And what a great illustration, what a great picture of how to raise kids. That when I want to raise my children, I run to the book. And then my kid know, kids know that we shape our decisions here and that our lives are shaped here. And we find out who God says we are here. And we find out who we really are. Not what culture says, not what fourth grade says or fifth grade, but what this book says is who we are and how we're going to live our lives and that we're going to run to the book. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Whatever is good and whatever is perfect comes down from the Father. And so our children need to understand every perfect gift and every good thing comes from God. He's the source of those things. That doesn't come from mom or dad. It comes from God Almighty. And a blessing that begins with the spiritual never returns void. Because you have tapped into the creator of all things. A blessing that begins with the spiritual will always bring benefit. Why? Because it focuses on the more important and the higher level things in life. It's not about material blessings. It's not about money. It's not about prestige. It's the more important things in life connected to eternity, connected to God Almighty. It's not about education. It's not about academics. It's certainly not about extracurricular activities. It's about who you are and that God is on a throne and he created you uniquely and he has a vision for you for you to impact this world. I cannot explain to you how this works. All, all I can do is give you examples. And I, I, one of my favorite things to do is to drive my kids to school, and I do that more than half the time. And the reason I do that is because I love the journey, and, and I love the prayer time with the kids in the car, and, and I love watching this play out. But I use that time strategically to say to them, who I believe God's made them to be. And on a regular occurrence, I would say, I just believe that God has a big plan for you. And it's funny how they all uh, attach to that in, in different ways, but, but Eli will come back to it regularly. Just this last week, we were driving to school, and, and, and he said, Dad, what do you mean when you say that you think God has a big plan for me? I said, I don't know, son, but I, I believe he has a big plan for you for you to change the world. And, and, and he'll say, well, 
what do you think that is? I'm, I'm really, I'm trying to ask God, what is that? And, and, and he says, how do you know that God wants to use me to change the world? I said, because God told me, son. He told you that about me. Yes, son, he told me that about you. And this week he said, I wonder what that means today. You cannot overestimate the value of speaking blessing with your mouth into your children's lives. A blessing begins with the spiritual, does not return void. And once you give them a spiritual vision, the fifth element is you give them a prosperous vision. It's the last part of the blessing here. Look at verses 28 and 29 again. From the dew of heaven and the richness of earth, may God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers and may your mother's son bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed and all who bless you will be blessed. Now, you've got to remember something about prosperity as we talk about prosperity in Scripture. This is not an American book. This is a global book, a universal book. It is about a God who spoke the whole world into existence and was written in the culture of the Middle East in the first century or before. And so prosperity defined in biblically is not prosperity defined in American economics. What is true prosperity? How, how do you measure it? Is it measured in money? I'm telling you, if you measure it in money, uh, every American is extremely wealthy. Every American. The one who lives under the bridge in North Tulsa is extremely wealthy on a global standard. You can't measure it according to money. Do you, do you measure it according to prestige? Absolutely not. God can bless you regardless of what your name is. God's plan is for all of us. Regardless of our position on this planet, in this life, true prosperity is this, biblically. Being able to accomplish all that God asks you to do. That's prosperity. Being able to accomplish everything God has asked you to do. That you may serve the purposes of God in your lifetime. Everything you have, all that you own, everything that you acquire, every talent, every gift, every ability, there is one purpose for it, and the one purpose is to glorify God. And we are never more like God than when we are giving. And when you bless your children, be specific on what you want them to be. You are so creative. You, you, you are such a leader. I, I love this conversation. You know, and I, I've shared with you the, the ups and downs of third grade football last year. And not being able to make it even to the first game, you know, as the head coach. But after the season was over, having a conversation with my nine-year-old and saying, son, I, football has been good to us this year. Did you have a good year? He said, yes, Dad, I, I had a good year. I think we were four and six. <laughs> he said, we had a good year. And I said, those coaches, son, they named you as the quarterback this year of the team. Do you know why they made you quarterback? He said, because I'm the best. <laughs> I said, no, son, that's not true. He said, you're not the best. There are other athletes on the field that are more athletic than you, faster than you, nimble, quick. But I think the coaches let you be the quarterback because they saw something in you that God gave you. And it's leadership. 
God made you a leader, son. And leadership is much bigger than football. And that you can be a leader on a football team, but you can be a leader in a classroom. You can be the leader in a family. You can be the leader in, in, in the world. And God wants you to lead to make a tremendous impact and a tremendous difference. You're a leader. And that's what football showed us. So we're grateful to football for showing us this picture of who you are on the inside. But it's much bigger than football. Wherever you go, you're a leader. Because God's made you a a, a leader. And you know what leaders do, Eli? And he said, lead. I said, that's right. And I said, you know what it means to lead? It means there are people behind. And there are people following. It means there are people looking to you, son. He said, I I can't think of anybody who's looking to me. I said, I assure you there are. I gave him some examples. Yeah, I guess you're right. And I said, and you know, it's very important as a leader to make sure you lead people where? He said, to the right place. I said, that's right. I said, God gave you that, Eli. That's who you are. Next morning, I walked out of my study about 6.30 in the morning to find my eight-year-old son at the kitchen island with his Bible. I said, son, what are you, what are you doing this morning? He said, I, I guess if I'm going to lead, i got to know where to go. Blessing. Tell your kids who they are. Don't leave it to the devil to tell them who they are. Don't leave it to their friends to tell them who they are. Don't leave it to their teachers or their coaches to tell them who they are. That's mom and dad's role. Don't take it lightly. Bless your children. You can't control their lives. And you can't keep their hand on, on, your hand on them all their lives. And some of you need to let go. If you've got grown kids, it's time for you to let go. It's not about your agenda anymore. You've got to help them see God's agenda for their lives. And though you can't control their lives, you can help set the trajectory of their lives. And you can guide them towards blessing in their lives. And so here's your assignment. Last week I gave you the assignment of writing a letter of honor to your parents. And if they're alive, calling them or meeting them and reading it to them in front of your children hope you did that and if you didn't you're not off the hook you got to complete all the assignments in order to pass class that'd be fun wouldn't it flunk church (laughs) how many of you did that this week raise your hand about 50 of you I don't several thousand you need to do it listen let's not just skate through this material let's let the word of God be applicable to our lives and change our lives and let's obey it I asked you for prayer last week about some people that I've placed my life under their authority and because my kids are involved in some activities that I've not had a good relationship with and that I needed to honor them, and I didn't know how to do that. How difficult it is to say to somebody, hey, I, you really can't be as bad as I think you are, so I'd like to hang out with you and find out something good. 
I don't think I would accept that invitation. Right? But I got a call out of the blue. God's commands are God's enablings. And when I saw the number on the caller ID, I thought, Lord Jesus, you're working this out immediately. And it didn't go quite as well as I had hoped on the phone, but, but the door opened. And we can't see it all, but we just got to obey and do what the Lord is asking us to do. The assignment this week is to write out a blessing for your son, daughter, all your kids. Maybe your grandchildren, maybe nieces or nephews, the kids that need you in in, in their lives. And use these five steps to communicate it to them. And take this formula for a biblical blessing and deliver it to these children. And just like Deuteronomy 6, you got to communicate it over and over and over again. When they wake up and when they go to bed and when you're on the road and, and, and when you're eating a meal, over and over and over again. Make them sick of hearing it. Your, your kid's reaction to some of these blessings in their life should be, yeah, 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 Dad, I know you think I'm going to amount to a lot. Where it is so ingrained in them that they know it. But the greatest blessing you can give your children is the legacy of Jesus. Just as we talk about writing these 50 babies' letters that one day they will open in faith that they're all going to give their lives to Christ. The 40 children that we watched, Father, the Lord, and Believer's Baptism this morning who've given their life to Jesus Christ. There is no greater legacy than to put your kids in a position where they have every opportunity available to them to give their lives to Jesus Christ. This is why I harp so much on these camps, these kids' camps and youth camps and student camps, because it is the greatest opportunity I know of for God to get a hold of a kid's life. But you you need to build a legacy at home too, where they have the opportunity to give their lives to Christ and for their names to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I I shared with you last week about Limley, our, our, our new daughter, and the way that she values photographs. That none of the books prepared us for that. And, and, and that, uh, you know, she walked through our house. And our house is, is photographs on crack. I mean, we, we, we got photographs every, hanging on every wall of different stages of life. And, and, I mean, just a lot of photos. And she's walked through the house and she loves the photos, but she noticed she's not in, you know, the photos. Because we don't have photos of her yet. And, and, and she, she's kind of... I'm not sure if she's a clown or not. We're not sure if she's showing off or if this is really her, her, her personality. But she, she will walk up to photos of the boys. And we've, we've caught photographs of the boys, you know, looking tough and, you know, with their fist in the air or whatever. And, and she'll imitate every one of them. She'll go, Ben. You know, and, and imitate, which is hilarious to watch. And, and, but Meredith this week went and got a bunch of snapshots developed and enlarged and framed. And we put them on tables and coffee tables and different places around the house and hung them on the wall in the midst of pictures of the other kids. And the only thing I regret about it is that we did not video the reveal because it was a big, stinking deal. And when we took that little four-year-old girl into the house and began to show her pictures of herself on the wall, she saw one in the midst of it and she went, Yay! And she said, Limley, Limley, 
And, and, she, and she went around the whole house pointing at photographs of her and pointing at pictures on the wall and, and picking them up and kissing them and saying, Limley, we could not have dreamed in our wild, we would have had a video camera, had we? had any indication that that's where this was going to go. And she was so excited. And it was as if in her mind, this is official. And I'm here to stay. And as I watched her react to that, I, I just thought, should that not be our reaction, that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Yay! And then when our kids and all of these children come to Christ, that we would say, thank you, Lord, for using this ministry in a way that is not just touching eternity. And kids, and parents, listen to me, the greatest legacy you can leave is to put your kids in a position where they will give their life to Jesus. And that Jesus would live inside of them and the Holy Spirit would guide them all through their life. Because you can't always be there. But Jesus can. Bless your kids. It's a big deal in Scripture. And it carries an eternal message into their heart from the Father of all fathers. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we talk about this material, it's not easy. In a culture where we're always late and we're always running from one thing to the next, These things take time, Lord. And so I pray you would help us to zoom out, to look at our lives, to evaluate them and to decide where we want to be. And when we do that, it becomes more simple and easier to grasp. So we talk about honoring our parents. We talk about honoring you first in our lives. We talk about blessing our children. This is not milk and toast, Father. This is the meat of the Word. Grow us. Grow us. As we obey you, you will make us stronger, give us more endurance make us more like you we thank you for your grace that is amazing and today in any of our environments whether you're sitting here in the room with me or you're in the chapel and prior or you're, you're watching a computer screen somewhere around the world today if you've never given your life to Jesus would you cross that faith line today It'd be the smartest thing you could ever do would you just bow your head right where you are and would you just say, dear God, I, I know that I've messed things up and I know that I've, I'm a sinner. But today I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for all of my sin. Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord. 
You call the shots in my life. Come in as my Savior, my forgiver, and the best way that I know how. I turn my back on my sin, and I trust you alone, Jesus, to save me. And I want to thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we all say, Amen.